I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. Oh my gosh. It's been it's been a bit, right? It's, it has. I mean, I'm I haven't been without you in my life, but it has definitely no. been a bit since we recorded. <laughs> yeah, I uh, things are afoot. We can't talk much about them, but uh hopefully by this time this airs, you know, things are a little less afoot, you know, and yes. we'll be able to talk about them. So, but uh just know, watch our website, some changes are occurring. Uh, and, good uh, changes, good God, change. they, appearances just sound ominous, Mark. What are you doing? Uh, you know, plan for a, a big September. All we're we're coming to Dragon Con and we are bringing the Eerie Travels podcast is going to be broadcasting another live episode from Dragon Con. We just got approval as we recorded so oh wow i can tell yeah. we just got approval because you didn't even tell me i didn't even tell you because i was like i want to see your reaction on the episode i was like yes oh that's amazing yeah that is yep. amazing yeah they were like is this erica lance you sure i'm like yes they will do it trust me <laughs> what's funny to me about dragon con is when you talk about other people that are guests there and you go hey i want to do this thing they get very like um yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> and i was it was funny is the email i got from the head of the track was like hey last year you did these panels and you got the highest ratings of like any panels on our thing so i was like you like me you really like me and they were like so what are you doing this time and i'm like well we have this podcast now and we would love to do it live there and she was like oh yeah so i was like yes yeah. so thank you dragon con for having us back and putting up with us absolutely so excited for that that's just gonna be amazing and then on top of that like just two weeks after we mm -hmm. will be going to mothman festival mothman oh my festival. gosh oh and you know what you didn't say before that though and this will this will air before that is you're gonna be um at uh no sorry we're gonna be at smoky mountain bigfoot july 22nd July, yeah so this is all i mean we've got so many events coming up gang like i said we just it's it's just getting started too we and if you have an event that you like that you know is in your neck of the woods and you want us to come there reach out to that event don't pester them but just tell them hey we love mark and erica we want Callie to come out and produce. Yeah. And, you know, and the more, you know, the more people that kind of just a few individuals tell them, then they realize, Hey, there's a demand there. And we'd love to come out to your event. Uh, we just did a little event in a popka because people, uh, you know, asked for me. So, you know, that's, that's how we do it. I'm, we'd love to do every con we can, uh, but you know, we need to be invited. So, and we try to find the ones we can. So we're like vampires. We need to be invited. <laughs> must be invited in. Yes, exactly. You Unless must Twilight vampires, you don't have to be invited in. So, um, actually, they oh, do. do they? Yeah, what? yeah. Right, well, then there's their weakness. Oh, suddenly they're no longer as powerful. As no, they don't. Were. We're, I, not, we we're not rehashing this, Mark. We've we talked about this. That whole we are episode. not rehashing this <laughs> under any circumstances. No rehashing. But so, I think you have a paranormality. I do. I have a paranormal. I wanted to share this because 
Um, it reminded me of something, and I know that we're going to be talking about scary things. Oh, yeah. I got. Uh, we are on the road to Mothman, and we're going to start it here. So Okay, so here we go. Ready? I'm going to do it really creepy. I, I'm excited. Oh, let's okay, do it so breaking news. Okay, so wife hears voice from the husband's grave. He was alive. <gasps> so... This reminded me of, oh, I just got chills. Mm. Um, this reminded me of something which we haven't really talked about on the show, but eventually I think we should talk about it is they used to attach a bell to people in the coffin. Yep. They'd attach a bell so they'd still bury it, but there'd be a bell and a string because they did, weren't really great at telling when people were actually dead. Or right? in a coma or, you know, in a thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. or some of those sleep diseases. Exactly. And so they bury them alive. Yep. So and a lot of people have that fear. I mean, look, Edgar Allan Poe wrote about that, you know, to, to a ton. So that was his greatest fear. I, I, I'm not claustrophobic. Nope, 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 nope. Not going to be. Nope, 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 nope. Um, so it turns out in China, this gentleman was dying. He had a disease. He did uh, have a disease. He was dying, but his mother found him in his bed and somehow he got declared dead when his wife was doing the final funeral things, she heard stuff coming from the grave and it was her husband's voice. And it turned out that oxygen deprivation woke him. Oh yeah. And so they got him out of the grave. Unfortunately, he died a short time later, but um, it was still it's, very it's sick, still so. happening. I think we, if you're not going to um, actually do a full like embalming and really super make sure the person's dead i i think you should do the bell thing i think we need That's, to go back to the bell well the, you know, the whole point of the people who sat in the graveyards at night and were paid to listen for the bells uh are the uh they were working the graveyard shift so Ooh. that's the historical tie there and then supposedly we get the expression saved by the bell from that but i don't think that actually comes from that but the yeah. graveyard shift does come from that yeah no i i don't i don't buy that second one but the first one so i just thought um mark if you if i happen to go before you you need yep. to make the agreement I have bell to your toe i want a bell i don't care okay. if you're super sure i'm dead because i got obliterated into a million pieces i want a bell yeah all right all right mine you know you know me i'm not gonna wind up in a grave i'm gonna just disappear one day and the men in black claim me so you know that's well, that's what, and I'm going to just pretend like I didn't know you after that point, exactly. even though we Please have all do. these recordings. Please so. do, because it's, it's coming. You know, Callie's It convinced. might be both of us. Who knows if we keep <laughs> At this point, at this point, we've, we've kind of rubbed some feathers, apparently. So, uh, you know, some of these emails have been exciting. So please, gang, keep sending your listener stories. Keep sending your tales. Oh, my gosh. We've got so much. So that was from Paranormality Magazine, our wonderful yes. friends there. And you can get headlines like that at paranormalitymag.com and then you can get the in-depth articles from their actual digital magazine or their physical magazine and if you order them with the code travels you get 10 percent off and it lets them know hey that you know you heard it here on eerie travels so you're listening and i'll tell you it's great so the one cool thing about paranormality magazine i think as well is that all of us go to the bathroom this is a right. known fact and it is a great fun read if you yes. just have a couple minutes like if you if you want something to there's so much negative news and things like that so if you want something that will truly distract you almost as much as a tiktok video 
right. their normality magazine. And it's really inexpensive for the whole year. I added this yeah. up because I know what my coffee order is. Normally it's yep. Starbucks. And it actually would only take four of my coffees to have a subscription to Fair Normality for, for Magazine. For a full year. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, we are advertising. We admit it. It's an advertisement. But come on, it's worth it. We don't, we're not advertising anything we don't believe in. So this well, is no, an amazing totally. magazine. And they're just awesome. And the online stuff is great too. So don't, don't discount that. And that's free. So just go there and have fun. Uh, there's a link in our description below. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So what are we talking about today, Mark? Okay. Since we are heading to Mothman Festival in a few months, I figured we'd do once a month, we would discuss some wonderful holler monster legends, ghostly legends, and all that of wild and weird West Virginia. Uh, and maybe even a little bit of Ohio since it's in Gallipolis, you know, the bridge kind of between the two states. So I thought we would talk a couple of amazing ghosts. Uh, and the plus side is, you know what this weekend is, is Mother's Day. So, Mother's Day. So I thought we would tie it in to some wonderful, you know, historical mothers that also are kind of spooky and ghostly. And these are two of my favorite folklore legends from the mountain state, right? Okay. Uh, and uh, one of them starts in mountain state, but then moves to Alabama real quickly. But I, it, she kind of counts uh, because, and I'm, I'm going to start with her. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm buckled in. Okay. Because I, as I was researching Erie Appalachia, I had started hearing these stories about a ghost in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, known as Screaming Jenny. And it was a very Screaming cool Jenny screaming Jenny. Now, what was cool about her is that she, you know, you know, was she was um, at this Harper's Ferry train station and she apparently got hit by a train and her ghost comes screaming down the tracks. And there's, you know, it's kind of a neat, just basic little ghostly legend of, uh, you know, of a, of a screaming banshee like a apparition there. But as I was researching it, I got a letter from this lady who said, okay. hey, I know the story of Screaming Jenny. And I'm like, ooh. And it was, wait, she's she was born in Kentucky. She lived in West Virginia and then moved to Alabama. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Didn't she die on the train tracks in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia? She's like, no. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is a you know, a con you know, conflagration of stories, you know, how these stories sometimes migrate and sometimes get confused. But the cool thing about this Aunt Jenny was she is called Aunt Jenny. She didn't become Screaming Jenny until she became a ghost in Alabama. Okay. okay. But now I want you to fall in love with this person. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a tall order there. Are because they going to buy me flowers and chocolate? I think, Erica, <laughs> these two ghosts I'm going to describe to you today are going to be the most vengeful demonesses that you are going to fall in. Oh, you know I, lo you know I live, love a good retribution ghost. So. Right, right. You know, uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so now when I say Aunt Jenny, a lot of people think of, uh, you know, Aunt, Aunt Jenny's catfish. Uh, and then it was actually Aunt Jenny's vegetable shortening way back in the you know in the 60s and stuff that has nothing to do with this all right this okay. is this is all right so 
Her name was uh, Louise Jane Brooks, and she was half Cherokee, had blue eyes, you know, deep blue eyes, everybody said, but otherwise looked like a, a full native Cherokee. Okay. And um, so just imagine that. And everybody said she was a looker. Now, remember the time period. Okay, gang, this is the 1800s. So she was 13 when she was married to Willis Brooks. Yeah. Okay. He was 30. So, but everybody said they were very much in love. Well, and the lifespan of people back then is not what it was here. Exactly. You know, 30 years old, you know, you're, you're lucky to still be alive. You know, it's a, you know, you know, you know, living to 50 is, 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 is a, is a brilliant thing. Yeah. Well, they had nine children. Well, yes, in the uh, 1850s. And that's a lot of kids. A lot of kids as they moved from where they were, uh, when she was born in Kentucky, they moved to West Virginia and Harper's Ferry area when they started having kids. And then there were rumblings. Now, it wasn't West Virginia then, it was just Virginia then. Uh, they started hearing rumblings of this, these troubles that were coming. And they didn't want any part of it. So they moved as far away as they could. They moved to Alabama. And in Alabama, they opened an inn right on the road that leads to the Mississippi River. Okay, which is and a good place. North, well-traveled. North, yeah, North Alabama, nice big road. And the rumblings happen. The Civil War breaks out. And okay, and they are in this area of Alabama where they think they can kind of stay neutral because it's kind of a rich man's war and a poor man's fight. They don't want anything to do with it. We're gonna just be this neutral zone, you know, running our in, right? Okay. Um now this goes well for a little bit. Now, the second year of the Civil War goes on, the Confederates are starting to get a little more desperate because they don't have the manpower. So they institute okay. a draft. Now, the draft says you don't have to go fight if you own X many slaves. You don't have to fight if you can pay somebody $300 to fight in your stead. Oh, wow. So it was So it was very much the rich people could afford to not go, right? Uh, wow. But they still weren't meeting their quotas. So they have this group called the Confederate Old Guard. And the Confederate Old Guard is basically exactly what it sounds like. Two guys too old to fight, but they can be tax collectors and they can basically be a press gang to get people to fight. Great. So, so they, you rounded up a bunch of bitter old men. Yep. And they go to Jenny and her husband's inn. Okay. And they say, hey, your son needs to go fight in the war. And they go, well, he's too young to fight. He's not even 10 years old yet. Or, or he's just turning 11, I think, at this point. Okay. And, oh, goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Technical difficulties Technical difficulties, gang. Please edit that, Callie. She's and not you know going who that to. was? Val. So. <laughs> Our friend Val. Our okay. friend Val. So, uh, who was a guest on a recent episode. So, all right. Okay. Back to the story. Edit that, Callie, please. She's probably right. not going to, but let's continue. Probably not. Whatever. It is what it is. That's my ringtone, gang. Yes, Vincent Price. All right. So back to the story. So they come and they say, your son needs to go to war. And they're like, no, he can't go to war. He's too young. And they go, well, then you're going to the dad. And the dad's like, I can't go. I'm too old. 
you know, I, you know, at this point he's in his forties and that's past that's you know, old. time. Yeah. And, um, and I've got this in, I've got nine kids and I'm like, well, we're taking your son. He's like, no. And so he starts sparring with them and guess what? They decide we're going to kill you. So they take him out to hang him. Oh now at this goodness. point, the young son, the oldest son runs into the inn and grabs his dad's gun and he comes running out to save his father so what do they do they gun him down and then they hang the dad oh no now i don't love that as the whole family you know jenny and her other children are forced to watch so they leave now any other lady what would, you know, in the Civil War time would be, be distraught, would be the end of the family, you know, go, you know, whatever. She, with her Cherokee heritage, takes all of her children over to the bodies of her son and her husband. And she makes them all put their hands on the open wound and the neck wound. And she makes them make a Cherokee blood oath that none of them will rest until all eight of the Confederate Guard have been hunted down and slain do not piss off women women can be Ooh, i think men are vengeful so, women, whole new level whole new level i love her already louisa jane becomes aunt jenny at this point and she starts teaching her boys how to shoot she starts teaching them how to use guns she starts licensing them out as bodyguards as gunmen as you know she sends them off with other trappers she sends them off with other groups to become the best they can be at trackers and things to hunt this group down now immediately almost immediately she finds two of them in town and she takes them out herself good with with a knife apparently uh with the help of her boys and then the others scatter to the four winds. And so as the boys get older, they start going out on their own as hired guns. The war is over, but she sends them out West because she thinks the bad guys of, you know, the Confederate guard has fled out West. That's what she hears rumors of. So some of them join, you know, gangs. One of them apparently joins Billy, the kids gang. One of them joins the Dalton gang. One of them becomes a marshal and is fighting gangs. Two others uh, join different sides of the Hatfields and McCoys fight as hired gunmen. All the while, they're looking for the eight Confederate guard. Well, now the six. And okay, she remarries. God bless her. Okay, marries another man and has ten more children. The woman had nineteen children. Her new kids have nothing to do with the gunfights or anything. She's raising them as proper kids, you know, for the new family. Aunt Jenny lives to be 84 years old. An incredible feat at that time, especially with 20 children. Wow. All of her boys from that first marriage wind up taking out five other of the confederate guard 
So that's seven total, right? Yep. One got away. Okay. Um, now she reads about the deaths of all of her boys in various gunfights and all this. Uh, her last son, who was the marshal, was in a gunfight with twenty-one men, and she and she was so proud of him because he took out seven of them before they got him. Okay. Um. So she was famously quoted as saying, all my boys died like men with their boots on. Okay. And she also was talking about how she wasted many a keg of powder teaching them how boy, them boys how to shoot. You know, well, you got to love this. So it paid so, off well, them boys. It paid off well. Yep. So as she's laying on her deathbed, mm -hmm. she has decided she calls for the priest to wash away her sin. She wants to, she has a soap dish that she carved using her Cherokee techniques that she would like to wash away her sin so that she can be read her last rites and go to, and, and go on. And so he brings her this odd dish and she washes away. And then she's like, all right, father, I'm ready. He reads her rites and she literally passes away that moment. And as the priest is walking away with the soap dish, he looks down at it and realizes it's really weird. It had been carved out of the skull of one of the men's, uh, one of the men that she had killed, one of the first Confederate guard. Right? <laughs> I said you froze on the best screen ever, Erica. I wish you could see yourself. This is amazing. <laughs> oh my God. So I love her. I love yes. her very much. I love her so much in the face. Um, so I, I would like to know where the soap dish is now, but yeah. so uh, I, okay. So now we're at her death, correct? Yes. Correct. She has passed away after, you know, as a badass. I mean, come on. You don't go, you don't go out better no, than that. She, so. she absolutely got to go big. That All right. So her boys were gone. Everything was gone. Now the rest of her family is moving on, you know, yeah. but her spirit is seen throughout the Appalachians looking for the last man. And the reason you know it's her, it's this dark, scary shape, right? It's almost hat man-ish the way it's described, like a dark shade, but bright blue eyes, that those eyes of Jenny. And she screams at you if you know to chase you away and to scare you away because she's hunting that last man. And she has been seen, of course, her grave is in Alabama, but this ghost has been reported all up and down the Appalachians because she's still looking for this guy. She isn't haunting a place. She's on a blood trail. Y'all, she wants this guy or his relatives, according to the story now. And that's where I think Screaming Jenny and Harper's Ferry might be her coming back that way or maybe that's where she, you know because that was an area she spent some time you know so maybe that's oh, why the two stories to, mix we need to we need to research this a little more my friend because yeah. first of all let me give full mad props to this woman oh yeah because yeah if you're gonna Louisa do james brooks like that, yeah. you you chose the wrong human now not human yeah. to mess with right so mad props jenny mad props um Second of all, mad props for surviving nine births during that time period because 19 another... with the second marriage, you know, 10 more with the second marriage. Jeez. Yeah, no. So well done on not dying during childbirth for all of that. So I'm going to give mad props there too. But 
I think we should, and we'll just make a little note about this, investigate the screaming Jenny, because Jenny was a very common name. Very common name. Yeah. So they could be a different, but I think it's interesting. And it would be interesting for a paranormal researcher, those listening, because to um look into uh encountering this particular ghost and letting her know the death of this eighth person. Because I think ghosts lose track of time that is my personal opinion i don't think they get time passes now to go visit jenny's grave it's out on this nine miles out on a logging road in north alabama of course it is Why would it, it is literally in Nowhere. that was her homestead you know and that's and her property and the, the the brooks family cemetery is still there all the stones are pretty banged up except for hers because she was a famous, you know, folklore hero now. And people would come and they stole her stone a few times and all that, sadly, you know. So now there is a huge slab. The Friends of Aunt Jenny organized this huge slab and they are restoring the graveyard. But no one can steal this thing unless they have a forklift. It's not going anywhere. So where but is this? This is in North Alabama. Uh, I have the uh, details in the show um, notes so if you guys yeah, want to travel i will send, I will send the, the 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 location and the uh, poplar spring cemetery for those googling it and it is a hike download your gps before you go because there is no signal there and it is a dirt road uh thankfully pretty well traveled logging road so it's not terrible um go at the right time of year because it is buggy bug infested uh but the nice thing about it is people go there and leave offerings for Jenny. Now, this is kind of like a reverse Robert the doll where you go there, you know, Robert, you don't want to mess with. This one, people go to Jenny and they leave her offerings and they leave names. And they say, this is the descendant of the guy that you're looking for. Go get him. Wow um ghostly hit woman yeah i was about to say i don't i don't love that because the descendants aren't necessarily the same as the person and mm. so don't sick people on other people unless they're evil and then go ahead have yeah. yeah, oh, that's well that's what people are saying they do it to get rid of evil people and so, uh but no no story so far of if she's actually accomplished you know any missions uh she has not been seen for some time but i think she's out hunting still but maybe well, she's found rest you know maybe she got him yeah you know? i hope she found rest and i hope she got him i will say this too though as a little disclaimer my fellow travelers um and we're actually gonna have swag we forgot to talk about that oh yeah we're yeah we've swag got... at some of our booths so if you wanted some traveling swag we're gonna have that but yep. um, do not take things from grape uh um, no. uh yeah uh, Grave cemeteries i was yeah. calling them gravestones do not take gravestones do not take souvenirs no do not take things like that if there are wild flowers and whatever if you feel like picking one whatever but you know leave leave people's resting places alone like take take only pictures leave only footprints you know yeah, but exactly. uh, you know if you want to leave her an offering hey just you know a coin something nice you know i'm sure she likes flowers you know and it definitely could use it out there it is a very remote cemetery so so be careful going out there. And with that, I think we're going to take a quick break. How's yeah, that sound? we hit site two. Yes. Okay. We'll be right back with Eerie Troubles. Eerie Appalachia. 
gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. And what of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock, or the Satan spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio, to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncy, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. I work with haunted attractions all over the U.S., Canada, and Europe to increase audiences and enhance their experience with highly effective commercials, narrations, animatronic character voices, whatever your dark heart desires. Let me help you do more, scare more, profit more. Find out more at Voice From Hell on Facebook and at voicefromhell.com. So we are back and oh um, Ginny is now one of my favorite superheroes. I, I told you you'd love her. So I know. do. I do. But you have somebody else that I'm going to love too. Now right? this one is unique in history. And okay. I think you're going to be like, what? Uh, I mean, she's <laughs> not as, is she not as badass as Jenny? I think there's other ways that she is more badass than Jenny in some ways. Okay, this is a lot. This but, is a lot you're prepping. But it is, you know, there's there's good this is this is almost a you know, this is a true crime story. So I'm going okay. to trigger warning now. Uh if if you are wanting to avoid a true crime murder, you know, I, although we had a little bit in the earlier parts. No, I'm trying to say we we graphic. tried to hang people from trees and stuff. I think now is not the time for a trigger warning. I know, but still, I just think okay, okay. One... Suddenly, after break, trigger warning. Suddenly, yeah. Mark's got a conscious. Uh, well, <laughs> this one's got it. Yep. Yeah, so, all right. So, in uh, January twenty third, eighteen ninety seven, in Greenbrier, uh, West Virginia which is kind of up towards the panhandle area. Okay. A um, young lady named Zona Hester Shue. I love the name Hester. Hester, and I like Zona. It's a great name too. Yes. Uh, I think her full name is Elva Zona Hester Shue. But, wow. Uh, but everybody called her Zona or Hester. Um, anyway, she was found dead by one of the little boys in town at the feet of her stairs. You know, um, just, you know, done. Dead. So, yeah, dead. So she's a young lady. So he runs to town to tell her husband. Okay. Now, her husband's Erasmus Stribbling Shoe. You got like that name, Erasmus, right? Wow. And um, uh, apparently, you know, he's like, oh, Zona, Zona, oh, no. You know, so he comes running home. And they grab the dock in town. And um, the dock 
uh, Dr. Knapp. He's the, you know, the town doctor is, you know, brings you into the world. He takes you out of the world, all that. So he's there. The husband's there. The husband is just so distraught. His young bride, you know, dead on the floor. Um, so he's holding her head, you know, oh God, oh God. And the, and the doctor does the, you know, post-mortem basically while he's sitting there and says that she died of a prolonged faint, which we would would say is a heart attack nowadays most likely that's kind of what most say, of those were a prolonged faint that's not yeah. a thing so yeah yeah and uh some of the death uh was uh said she could have been childbirth right that she might have been with child and this just failed so there were a couple questions about it right uh he listed it as prolonged faint okay. um uh she was buried just uh a few weeks late uh, the next day in the local cemetery and um now the husband had given her this beautiful scarf that he wrapped around her neck and then he stayed at the head of her casket for the whole ceremony wouldn't leave her side he was so distraught and and then she's buried and that was it now her mother about a week later says Zona showed up at her bed and said, I did not die of childbirth. I did not die. I was murdered. And my husband is not who he says he says he is. My husband was named Trout. Wow. And so, you know, what what uh, is it so you know dead people visiting me is not something i enjoy i'm not a big fan of six sense kind of situations just right and especially if, you know if it's your daughter who you're just getting over her death or trying to get over her death and then suddenly I was gonna say, in a week we're not getting over her death we're still no, coming no. to grips with the fact she died yeah and for her to show up and go yeah so i was murdered and it was my hubby yeah so what do you do if you're the mother with this information i kill him Okay. See, that's that probably been... not the right answer, but anyway, continue. 1890s. We're civilized now. This isn't Wild West anymore. This is Victorian era. I think I'd so, be more Calamity Jane in these Wild West. Actually, you, you, you and Jenny continue. would get along better. But the <laughs> fact that she came back from the dead to finger point at her murderer, right? So, mother goes to the prosecutor in town, John Alfred Preston. Ooh, that says, is a very prosecutorial name. Right, well, especially West Virginia. And yeah. she sits there and says, you have to reopen this case. And she sits there with him for hours to convince him to reopen the case. He refuses to because it's a ghost telling me to reopen a murder case. You gotta be crazy. Well, or even to open a murder case because it's right. not like it was open to begin with. Right, exactly. He died. So he calls Dr. Knapp. And Dr. Knapp says, well, I may have been hasty. So um, so then they go talk to uh, some other people, and then they find out Erasmus did have another name. He was known as Trout at another town where he had a previous wife who had died of unnatural causes uh she had a rock 
fell on her head while they were building a new chimney. And it was a tragedy. He had accidentally dropped a rock on her head. A rock fell on her head. Well, yeah, the husband dropped it. He admitted he dropped it, but it was an accident. I don't know. No. Then they found out he had a previous wife that had also died of falling down some stairs. Oh, yeah. No, this is not good. His wives have lots of... um, Yeah. yeah, No. No. So because of that, Preston then decides we need to make a complete examination of the body. Yeah, I would think so. so. Sufficient justification finally for a full autopsy. An inquest jury was, you know, formed. Then, so now it's mid-February and they actually dug up Zona and brought her out and did the autopsy in the one room schoolhouse that's there in West Virginia. Of course. Uh, that turned into a, the, the morgue at this point. Uh, the quote from the report published on March 9th, less than a few weeks later. Okay. The discovery was made that the neck was broken and the windpipe smashed. On the throat were the marks of fingers indicating she had been choked. The neck. Oh, was... and he was holding her head when she was. Oh, right. that, that brand new scarf he gave her. Yeah. The neck was dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. The ligaments were torn and ruptured. The windpipe had been crushed at a point in the front of the neck. Shu said, Well, you can't prove I did it. That was his quote. That's the kind of stuff the juries really agonize over when someone says a quote like that. <laughs> yeah, no, this is the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So more information comes out about his, he had a yet another first wife that ended in divorce with his wife accusing him of cruelty. You know, and so, you know, so he had four marriages, right? And, and he also began talk of wanting to marry another woman while he was in jail and because he was so sure he was going to be let free because there was so little evidence against him and it was one of those kind of early days you know where those women write serial killers saying they want to marry them and stuff like that so he had yeah. a pen pal that was apparently ready to marry him because he was going through so much trouble for all this oh my gosh so um so the trial begins in June and Mary Jane was the prosecutor's star witness. They skirt the whole thing about the ghost, right? Just, but then the pro, you know, the defense is like, you're saying it's a ghost. You're crazy. You know, and, and they're trying to prove her unreliable. Right. And the tactic totally backfires. The jury loves her and is convinced the ghost is you know caused all this and figured all this out so so the judge kept telling the jury disregard the ghost disregard the ghost story disregard the ghost story but could you imagine this this happened today right day court right now right like, ignore I mean, the ghost ignore the ghost like i can't imagine that conversation yep so on july 11th Erasmus Shue Trout was found guilty of murder on uh, and sentenced to life in prison in Moundsville Penitentiary. Uh, I love that. 
And the from the newspaper, the Greenbrier ghost was never mentioned by prosecution and played no part in the case against Shu. So a lynch mob comes out and is like, we're going to hang this guy. But the sheriff you know, quickly says, no, no, we got this. You know, it's it's done. So now four of those mob organizers actually went to prison too. Uh, so that'll just tell you how justice works in West Virginia. So yeah, no, that's that's true justice, I have to say, yep. which I'm sure is not the case always. And yeah, but I'm glad to hear that it did work that time. Yep. So three years later, Erasmus dies March 13th in 1900 in West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville, which is still there. Okay. Uh, he was some weird illness that they could not figure out what it was. It was kind of like a pandemic was hitting them. They couldn't tell if it was yellow fever or something else, but it hit the prison pretty hard. But he was one okay. of the main victims, one of the first victims. And he's buried in an unmarked grave at the site. Oh, darn. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Now, whereas Zona, Zoda Hester, Hester. She has become, again, a folk hero because she came back from the grave and legally set a precedent <laughs> to convict her own what I murderer. Want is I want, you know what research we have to do at some point, Mark? Yeah. We got to do research to see if that case was ever brought up in any other cases huh. as a foundation for conviction. Because, yes, that is badass. Take out your tormentor. Have your mom who would listen to you pick the right person who would listen to you. Right. Come back and go, I'm going to, I'm going to need you to solve that. I love every bit of this story. Isn't it? Now, how is that for a mother, right? You know, she was a young mother and there we go. So yeah, no. And great yeah. mothers for mother's day coming back from the dead, wreaking vengeance. Come on. I love uh, vengeance seeking moms. Do not mess with moms of any kind because exactly. Yes. But so, that's amazing. Yep. Now Zona's has a marker. Okay. For the story of the Greenbrier ghost near in it's not actually in Greenbrier, it's in Smoot, West Virginia. Uh, and uh, you can go down the highway and you'll see this marker that uh reads interred in a nearby cemetery is Zona Hester Shoe. Her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband Edward. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward was found guilty of murder and was sentenced to the state prison. It is the only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped convict a murderer. That's on the state historical marker. I yeah. love that. And I love that you can go visit and get a picture with good old Jenny. Not Jenny, yeah. Hester. Hester, yeah. And if you go... Don't forget to bring a little something for her. I would drop a flower or something because she seems yes. like she deserves that. And again, for a while, her stone was vandalized. Her stone was taken. Uh, and so she has a nice new stone as well. It's not a big slab like Aunt Jenny, but it's still, it's a pretty impressive stone. So I don't think anybody's going to steal it again. Uh, it is um, at the uh, Seoul Cathedral, S-O-U-L-E. Uh, and that's her grave is out behind it. You can visit that. It's uh, a little ways from her marker, 
but it's pretty a pretty amazing place. It's it's beautiful. I I went in the fall. There were so many leaves, and her grave's out looking over it all. I'm like, good for you, Zona. Good for you. Yeah. You know, I love that. And you know what? If when you guys come see us up at Mothman, hit yeah. these things up on the way. Make it a road trip. Make it. That's fun. exactly. That's what these. I'm gonna. We're gonna be doing these episodes so that you can, you know, go visit there. Go visit this. Go visit that. These are little places that we're gonna do. You know, of course, everybody thinks about Mothman, but we're gonna give you some places nearby that are just as much fun and now while you're there our good buddy dave spinks who runs dave spinks world of weird in richwood west virginia is just a few miles away that's your second travel there that's the third that's yeah, third three. yeah because we've got yeah harper's ferry yeah there all right whatever so yeah it's all good but dave, i'll do the math on this show there the math. yeah i'm not math. i'm not a math i'm a writer so <laughs> um uh but he has uh, a store near there where, you know, now he's been on Unexplained with William Shatner. He's been on Finding Bigfoot, Dead Files. He's he's on more shows than, you know, than me, which is, you know, saying something. But uh, but we love him. Dave is a great guy. And he's got a shop there with his uh, partner, Serenity Jenny. She runs the psychic portion of the place. So it's a little place. And they do an event every year. They do a monster fest in their um, in their shop. We're going to hopefully be up there to be a guest one time. Uh, but it's an amazing little shop in an amazing little town. And then you can go visit, you know, uh, go visit Hester's place, you know, just a short while away. I love that. I love that. Well, now you have two badass women ghosts to visit. Yeah. And you can go to the weird place. And I love all of that. And this has been super exciting. And don't forget, if you're going to bury people, put a bell. I'm just going to yeah. remind everybody. Put a bell. Yeah. The way Circle it back. You know. It, you know, one bell for yes, two bells for no, and you can, you know, you can do your own trial there too. So, oh yeah, let's not summon things. Okay, <laughs> talk about this. Let's not give advice to summon things. So, yeah. we'll leave that to the professionals. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it was there. You know, there's been some adaptations of both of these ladies' stories uh, that you can find. Uh, uh, they're in my book, Erie Appalachia, both of them, uh, because I love them so much, and. Um, you and know, if you anyway, have any stories, listeners, about these yes. ghosts, yeah, share them with us. EerieTravels.com. You can find the book, Erie Appalachia, and you can share your story with us. Yeah. yeah, boom, boom. Look at that. And that's awesome. all on the road, yo, to Mothman. And we will be talking more about this. Uh, I, I figure every few weeks we'll jump into this and uh, give everybody another West Virginia tale that you may not know, a little less famous than Mr. Big Mothman, but we're going to be talking about him soon enough. So. yeah we will and we get to i get to grab the mothman but i can't wait till that happens hey, you got to touch the shiny hiney there is the cult of the shiny hiney up there the so. cult of the shiny hiney i love it well mark I, I think that wraps us up i think it does thank you so much for joining us please like share and subscribe as always support our sponsors thank you so much and we'll let destiny play us out and as always we'll see you on the other side <laughs>